0: Church today on this Sunday morning. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, to worship him, to learn from his word, and to uh, just enjoy being with each other. Today is October the 29th. I always feel an extra special something on the fifth Sunday of a month. I feel like we got a bonus Sunday when we have a fifth Sunday in a month. And uh, I believe the Lord is going to minister in a great way uh, today. We have such a privilege to be in the house of God today. I do not take it lightly. I don't presume, I told the Lord this morning, I don't presume on it that we just get another opportunity. I know that for, for several in this room, this is a regular part of your life and, and just coming to the house of the Lord. But my, are we blessed to be able to do that on a regular basis. Amen why don't we just enter his gates with thanksgiving come into his courts with praise right now let's pray and let's just thank god for this day we love you today lord we're thankful for your presence that we feel already here today lord we're coming together to worship you lord we're coming together to have fellowship with brothers and sisters in christ and we recognize lord that today is a gift that you've given to us lord this sunday this day that you brought us to lord is a wonderful blessing And so, God, we take the gift that you've given to us and we give it back to you, Lord. And we pray a strong and favorable anointing upon every class that's being taught right now, Lord, around this campus and especially here in this worship center today. God, let the anointed word of God touch our hearts and dwell in our hearts. Lord, we open ourselves to you today. And, Lord, I pray in our worship service that you would... Bring about a wonderful move of your spirit, Lord. Every guest, every member, every person that's here, Lord, minister to us today as we minister to you in worship. And God, we're going to thank you. We're going to give you the praise. We're going to give you the glory today, Lord. You're worthy. We commit this, this class time into your hands in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everyone, would you say amen? Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. I am thankful that you are here today. I'm thankful that we get to have this opportunity. We're going to just jump right into the word of the Lord here uh, in just a moment. but let me just by way of uh, preview, tell you next Sunday is a fellowship Sunday. so during this 9:30 time we'll have fellowship in our atrium, some coffee, some refreshments there. We really want you to be a part of that. and uh, secondly, as a secondary note to that, next Sunday, Uh, we fall back in our time. So you actually get an extra hour of sleep next weekend. We're thankful for that. And so uh, just make a note of that. Unless you are and you're not because you're here on time, unless you're always late for church. And if you're always late, just don't move your clock back. And you'll get here early. You'll get here extra early next Sunday morning. But it is a a time change. And uh, glad that you're here today. Look at someone, just smile at them. They probably need that right now. They probably need that. Amen. We're going to uh, continue our teaching on apostolic doctrine, and I am thankful that we've had these times, these sessions on this Sunday morning uh, to really drill down on some of these main topics, these main themes of what it means to follow after the Apostles' Doctrine. We are an apostolic church, and because of that, we follow the Apostles' Doctrine, and so there are several pertinent uh, pieces to that, several pertinent topics, and we want to talk today about holiness. Everybody say holiness. Amen. Everybody, say it loudly. Holiness. Amen. Uh, There are uh, quite a few uh, editorials that people could give on the subject of holiness. There's quite a few viewpoints people could give on holiness. And so uh, I'm going to take time today and then in a couple of Sundays we're going to come back and visit this subject again on the subject of holiness. And it is a very, very powerful, powerful thing that we need to examine in Scripture Uh, Here's what the scripture says, and I won't have you turn there, but it talks about following after peace and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And so scripture raises the importance of holiness to a issue of being able to see the Lord and see the Lord not only in eternity. And that speaks of our, our, our dwelling with the Lord forever, but also seeing the Lord in the way he works in the earth today. I don't want to be so enamored by eternity and walking on streets of gold and all of that and the wonderful things that heaven will bring. I get so fixated on that that I miss what God is and what he wants to show me about himself in the world right now. And I think that there are elements to God and there are ways to see God that are only seen by uh, an understanding of his holiness and we'll talk about that. So let's take our Bibles and we're going to we're going to look at several verses of scripture. I really encourage you to, to look in, in your Bible right now, whether that's in your actual Bible you have on a, a tablet, a phone, whatever, however you're accessing the scriptures. I want you to look at first Peter chapter one and verses 13 to 16. First Peter chapter one verses 13 If you're just joining us, please join us, and you can sit in these middle couple of sections in this class time, and then we'll give you time to move to other seats for our worship service. Inner holiness. Everybody say inner holiness. Now, in this passage, uh, we're in 1 Peter chapter number 1, and Peter, the apostle, is writing about salvation. He writes about this in the first chapter of this New Testament letter And he indicates uh, in a few verses previous to where we will read that the prophets under the old covenant prophesied about what he calls a grace that would come, a grace that would come. And we know as we walk this out in examining the scriptures that the Holy Spirit is that grace that would come. And this grace was revealed in part to the prophets, they actually prophesied about this Holy Spirit and uh, yet they as many times in the old covenant they prophesied about things that they never experienced themselves so God would give them indication God would give them foretelling if you would about this grace about this Holy Spirit and yet they were simply the voice of God they did not experience that grace personally But then in verses 10 through 12 of 1 Peter chapter 1, he says to the believers that he's writing to, we are experiencing that grace right now. So the prophets foretold it and the prophets prophesied about it, but we, New Testament believers, are actually experiencing that grace, that Holy Spirit. We are baptized with that. We are hopefully led by that Holy Spirit. And so because of that, because that we are now experiencing the grace of God through the Holy Spirit, uh, he uses this word that I have pointed out many times in teaching to this church in verse 13, 1 Peter 1 and verse 13. Therefore, and I gave you all of that background to, to explain that word right there. Therefore, because we are experiencing the Holy Spirit that the prophets prophesied about, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, And rest your hope fully upon the grace, there's that word, that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He goes on, verse 14. As obedient children, everybody say children. What do children have to do? Children have to be taught. And he is saying to these New Testament believers, take the attitude of a child that needs to be taught. Not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance. In other words, don't allow yourself to be uh, filled with the former things. The way you used to act. The way you used to conduct yourself. But, verse 15, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. I want to reread that 15th verse. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Now, this is a great example in the New Testament here in first Peter of a reference that Peter makes to an Old Testament scripture. And for those of you that have been in teaching that I have had before you've heard me say that anytime in the New Testament uh, a New Testament writer says as it is written or because it is written they're referencing a verse in the Old Covenant in the Old Testament so with that in mind let's ask the question what verse is Peter referencing here what what portion of the Old Testament And he actually is referencing in the Old Testament book of Leviticus chapter 11. So flip back in your Bible to the Old Testament now and we'll look at the verse that he is referencing here when he is writing in the New Testament. He says, because it is written, be holy for I am holy. So let's look at that verse that he's quoting. Leviticus chapter 11 and verse number 44, for I am the Lord your God. The Lord is speaking to his children, Israel. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves. Everybody say consecrate yourself. And you shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourselves with any creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 45. For I am the Lord who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy For I am holy. So the Lord speaks in the Old Covenant and says to his children, Be holy, and here's why, because I'm holy. And then Peter in the New Testament echoes that, as it is written, Be holy, New Testament believers, because I am holy. Now notice, holiness is important enough that God references it in the Old Covenant. And Peter repeats it to the New Testament believers in the New Covenant. That tells me it's an important subject. It's not just an Old Testament subject. It's not just an antiquated New Testament subject to people that lived during uh, the Apostle Peter's day. But it is something that is important to all of us to be holy, to be holy. Now, one of the words that I think best describes holiness, and, and say it loudly with me, say Holiness. We, we say that word, and it's sometimes easy to miss maybe a synonym for that word, and it is the word separateness. Holiness literally means separateness. And so because God, as the scripture has said already that we've read this morning, because God is the example of holiness. He said, I'm holy, meaning he said he, of himself, I am holy. He is separate from all other gods. The scripture actually bears this out in many different places. I, the Lord, am the Lord, and beside me there is no other. How many have read that verse before? There's no God like our God. He said, I looked on my left and I looked on my right and I looked around me. There's no God above me. There's no God beside me. He is a separate God. He is a holy God. That's literally what the word holy means. He is a separate God. So he is the example of our holiness. He's separate from all other gods. When we become holy like him, our holiness, our stance, our our, our lifestyle of holiness infers and it also demands a marked difference between a believer's life and an unbeliever's life. Just by nature of what holiness means, a separateness this holiness in our lives today is produced through a yielding of myself to the Holy Spirit which dwells inside of me. Everybody say a yielding. This is so important that we understand this today. Holiness is not a list of rules. Holiness is a yielding of myself to the indwelling Holy Spirit. So I want to say this, and I want you to get this. This is good enough. For you to repeat to somebody, this is good enough to rehearse to somebody over lunch today when you're sitting talking with them. Holiness is always a choice. Holiness is always a choice. Amen. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 6 in the New Testament. Paul the Apostle is writing. He's writing to a New Testament church. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And we'll come back to that list in just a moment. Verse 11. And such were some of you. Who's he writing here to? He's writing to a New Testament church. And he's saying, in this New Testament church, there were those who were covetous. There were those who were fornicators. There were those who were homosexuals or drunkards or revilers. There were people of that. But you were washed. But you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. I want you to notice this gives proof positive that the church was never intended to be a lily white group that never made mistakes. Yet it always was intended to be a people that though we have stains in our background, we have been washed by the blood of Jesus. We have been sanctified. We have been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. And here's what Paul says, and by the spirit of our God. This is how separateness, holiness happens. It happens through the power of the name of Jesus and by the spirit of our God. We are not made holy by ourselves. We are not made holy in our own ability. I, I, can't, I can't muster it up. I can't pray it up enough. I cannot be holy separate from the Spirit of God. That's what the scripture teaches here. We are sanctified. We are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Look at the next letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. You have that in your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul continues to write to this New Testament church. And in the second verse of that chapter, 2 Corinthians 3 and 2, he says this way. You, remember he's speaking to Corinthian believers. You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us. Watch this next part written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. So Paul echoes again that it is the Holy Spirit that writes things on our hearts, that puts in us the desire to be holy, the desire to be separate, the desire to be Sanctified. I like this phrase, and I'm, they're going to put this on the screen. The internal power of God becomes the source and the reason for the external witness of Christianity. That is so good. I'm going to read that one more time. The internal power. Everybody say, what's inside of me? Come on, say it. Say, what's inside of me? The internal power of God becomes the source and the reason For the external witness of Christianity. When I exhibit holiness or separateness externally. What you can see. It is evidence of something internally taking place in my life. There is an internal power of God at work. And so the source of inner holiness inside of me. Is yielding to the indwelling Holy Spirit. I like, it th- I like it this way, too, and they'll put this on the screen as well. Holiness means letting the Holy Spirit and the personality of Jesus Christ shine through us. Amen. It shows Jesus to the world. It shows him to the world. Now, I think we, we must not miss this. Christianity, by its very essence, is a fruit-bearing life. It is. Holiness is inside of me will produce holy living and fruit externally it will i cannot allow the holy spirit to work internally and it does not show itself externally with my life holiness reveals the victory that the holy ghost brings in my life and i let it work now, when I, when I considered that statement right there, and I, I wrote that down in my notes, it was like an aha moment inside of me. When I live a life of inner holiness, I am proving that the Holy Spirit is bringing victory in my life. It's bringing victory over what I want to say that I don't need to say. It's proving that the Holy Ghost is governing my thoughts rather than letting my thoughts run wild. I'm talking about inner separateness, inner holiness here it reveals the victory of the Holy Ghost in my life. Now, let me just touch on this because I think it's important that we we also understand this. There is a danger when when I have a lack of inner holiness. There's a real danger because if I refuse to let the Holy Spirit work inside of me, then I can fall into something that is very deadly and that is called legalism. Everybody say legalism. Legalism or rule-keeping religion, okay? Now, I I won't get into all these references, but when you and I open up our Bibles to the New Testament, Jesus reserves some of his harshest rebukes for legalistic religious leaders. He did. He wore the Pharisees out because they were wonderful At making sure all the external things were right. But Jesus looked right through that. And he said, let me tell you exactly what's going on here. You are like a tomb full of dead bones. (laughs) One version says, you are a, Jesus speaking to the Pharisees, you are a whitewashed sepulchre. Let's put that in Arkansas language. You are a whitewashed grave. You have it looking really good on the outside, but inside you are full of deadness. This is what a legalistic life can become. A legalistic life. See, legalism is a contractual term. Inherent within the word legalism is the word legal. It is a contractual term meaning If I do this, God does this. If I live like this, then God does this. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for this kind of attitude. Holiness, and please hear me right now. Holiness must become, this is what Jesus taught and what the Bible teaches. Holiness must become a relationship issue, not a contractual issue. Can I say it a different way? Holiness must become a relationship issue, not a legalism issue. I I don't. Live a separate life to try to merit the salvation that the Lord has given to me. Folks, you and I could never merit Calvary. Never. It doesn't matter how much we live right, talk right, conduct ourselves right. We will never merit the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. But we can live in relationship with him. And thankfulness to him. How many of you know that's actually how good relationships are built? They're not built on contractual things. In fact, I've said this before. I'll just touch on it briefly. If you want to have a good marriage, those of you that are married, please don't reduce that marriage down to a contract. (laughs) I thought I'd get a few more amens than that. (laughs) Well, I'm going to go to work today and make money for the family because I signed that that marriage license. And that marriage license says I need to do that. I'm just obeying what pastor said when he did the vows for us. Oh, boy. You're going to have a a wife that's not too happy about that, brother. It's just a contractual thing. No great relationship is ever based just on a contract. It's got to become deeper than that. There are things that I do, listen, listen, don't miss this, there are things that I do and things that I don't do that are not based on a contract, they're based on a relationship. And that deepens my relationship, for instance, with my wife. It deepens my relationship. I I respond, listen, isn't this revolutionary? I respond out of love, not contract. Now, I need to respond in love because legalism can go on the other side. What doesn't really matter? Nothing really matters. That's foolishness as well. And so this this whole holiness piece, this whole separateness piece, this whole glorifying God inner holiness in our life is so very important. Let let me give you just three things that I think are, are signs of inner holiness. When we see inner holiness really beginning to take root in our lives, just make a note of these. Number one. Our desires begin to change toward godliness and its habits. When we begin to see signs of inner holiness, our desires change. My desire changes about prayer. I don't look at prayer as a duty. I look at prayer as a relationship. I'm getting to know my Savior. My desire changes about fellowship. You know when inner holiness gets a root in my heart? It changes how I view you. Everybody okay today? Did you get too much rain on your head last night or something? Awful quiet this morning. When I become right inside, I see you differently. I don't see you as just a person I see every Sunday and maybe an occasional Wednesday. I see you as a vital member of the body of Christ that I must be connected to. Inner holiness changes my desires toward fellowship. Inner holiness changes my desires toward faithfulness to the house of God. Amen. You know, when people, and I know I'm, I'm not teaching to you right now, you're here. And so don't, don't take this personally toward you. But when people miss coming to church on a regular basis or get used to not coming to church, that's not just a choice. That is telling something about what's going on inside. Because inner separateness, inner holiness, changes what I think about faithfulness to the house of God. Uh, it, it, It changes my desires toward humility. It's not about me anymore. It's about the kingdom. It's about others. Number two, another sign of inner holiness is I begin to practice righteous living. I begin to practice righteous living. Uh, I practice righteous living in areas where people can see. Ready? Ready? Nudge your neighbor and say, get ready for this right here. But I also practice righteous living in areas people don't see. I practice righteous living in where I go. Amen, Pastor. Pastor. And I practice righteous living in where I don't go. (laughs) Now you have to understand a little bit of the context. I grew up pre-internet. In fact, I started pastoring right at the beginning of when the internet was exploding. Uh, And so I have a little bit of context on both sides of this. I practice righteous living through holiness by what I post and what I don't post. Now, I'm, don't worry. I'm not going to bear down here and just wear this out. But not everything that I think do I need to make public. Again, we're talking about the governance of the Holy Spirit on my inner life. <laughs> Number three. The third sign of inner holiness is the fruit of the Spirit begins to be displayed in my life. The fruit of the Spirit. Now, here's what's interesting about the fruit of the Spirit. And, and there's, there's this passage. You can turn there. In fact, we'll look at it. Galatians 5, verses 22 to 24. There's this list of the fruit of the Spirit. Notice what the Bible says. They're called the fruit. That means what you begin to see of the Spirit. So this is what we should begin to see evidence through the indwelling Holy Spirit in our life. Paul teaches this. He he, he precedes this by talking about what comes naturally from the flesh when we're not redeemed by the Spirit. And there's a a list there that's that's a a bad list. But then he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now look at the next verse, verse 24, Galatians 5 and 24. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Now, obviously what Paul is teaching here is not that we get up on a cross like Jesus got on a cross physically, but he's saying if I'm going to let holiness show in my life that it's on the inside then I have to put down and crucify what I naturally want to do. Now, this is very interesting to me because we can read this list of the nine fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, and we can think, oh, what a nice list. But do you know in order to let these fruit be seen in our life, sometimes there's a rub and a choice that we have to make. If I'm going to let the love of Christ shine out, there usually is an option to not let the love of Christ shine out. Just the word long-suffering means i got to put up with the tendency to want to hammer down on someone. And yet the Spirit says, have patience. What is it? That's a work of the Spirit of God. It's inner holiness. Now, as I close today, I want to share this. There are some really powerful reasons why we need to be holy inside. All right? Let's look at it. Uh, Take your Bible and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. All right, if you're taking notes, write this down. There's a reason for inner holiness. Number one is to please God. And so we are holy. We allow holiness, the relationship of holiness to be on the inside of us. Number one, so we can please God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 19. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, everybody say therefore. Because of everything that I just said. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Everybody say that's what you can see. And in your spirit. Everybody say that's on the inside. And in your spirit, which are God's? Not just what, I, what people see, but what people don't see. And, and, and here's what Paul's admonition is. Glorify God. Let God be seen and let God be known in your body and in your spirit. And so we are striving to be holy on the inside, first of all, to please God. Secondly, we are striving to be holy on the inside, to communicate Jesus Christ to others. To communicate Jesus Christ to others. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. Just a few pages over from where we were just reading. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 18. Paul says, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Here we go. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us, there it is again, the word of reconciliation. Verse 18 says he's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19 says he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Verse 20, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading Through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We are striving. I hope all of us can answer that. We are striving to be holy, separate from the world on the inside so that we can communicate Jesus Christ to others. Now, listen, listen. I don't think I need to prove this to anybody. I think every person in here, and I, I'm making a big statement when I say this, but I think this is true. Every one of us in here would probably agree when you and I are around people that are very quick-tempered, very vindictive with their speech, appear in such a way with their body, their attire, their hair, their clothing, their, 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 their persona, who, you and I can look at people And we can say, not in a judgmental attitude, but we can say assuredly, something's going on on the inside of that person. Can we not? Can we not? People don't just wake up being mean. It's indicative of something on the inside that needs healing. They're communicating something. So on the flip side of that, brothers and sisters, as a believer, as a Holy Ghost-filled believer, when we express ourselves through kind words and not anxious thoughts, but pure thoughts, and we attire ourselves in a way that becomes Christ and is following the the principles of Scripture, it it is an indication to the world something in the inside is going on. Are you catching this? It doesn't just work on one side of the equation. Inner holiness, one of the reasons is because we want to communicate Jesus Christ. We want to adequately, we want to show the world who Jesus is through our life and through our lifestyle. Thirdly, the third reason for inner holiness is for our own benefit and our own health. If you and I can strive to let the Holy Ghost govern our thoughts and not be anxious, and I'm going to tell you something, we all have to fight this battle. And the truth of the matter is, some of us have fought this battle this morning. If we're really honest, we we fight it several times a day. Anxiousness, worry. We We need the Holy Spirit to help us to get a hold of that inside of us. Because when we think healthy, It produces healthy actions, which bring positive, healthy results. And so we are striving for inner holiness for our own health and for the benefit of our life. So let me give you some some homework. I know you maybe didn't come to church for homework, but you got it this week. Ready? In the final few days of October, the first few days of November, here's your homework. Everybody say, I got homework. (laughs) Look at someone and say, welcome to the classroom this morning. Okay? Here's the homework. I want you to jot down two verses of scripture that we're going to read in just a moment. But I'd like you to take these and and, and mull over these, pray over these this week. You ready? 1 John chapter 2. I'm going to give you two, two passages of scripture. For, in fact, do this. Would you just humor me right now? If you have your cell phone, would you text yourself this right now? This is, By the way, this is how I... Uh, take notes sometimes, even when I'm in church. You ever see me grabbing my cell phone? It's not because I'm texting like what I want for lunch today. <laughs> sometimes I will have to text myself to remind myself. Maybe someone says something. It's, but I want you to text yourself this or, or write this down if you're taking notes with a pen. First John chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. Now I'm going to try real hard to believe that those of you that are staring at me right now are really good texting, staring straight ahead. 1 <laughs> John chapter 2, verse 28 and 29. Also, jot down Proverbs chapter 4, verses 23 to 26. Proverbs 4, 23 to 26. So I'm going to read it, and then we're going to pray and be dismissed to our worship service. 1 John 2, 28 and 29. And now, little children... Abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. And if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Here's the homework. Read that verse this week and pray that verse to the Lord. Lord, I'm asking you to help me this week to abide in you. That means to stay connected to you. We do that through prayer. We do that through our thought life. We take time. We set aside time to abide in the Lord. And then we will also ask the Lord to help us to practice righteousness. Amen. You realize we're not just made righteous in a moment and then ta-da, the rest of our life we're righteous. We practice righteousness. We practice letting the Spirit guide us in our actions. Verse, uh, Proverbs 4, verses 23 to 26, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the, spring the issues of life. 24, Put away from you a deceitful mouth. Put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. What does this look like in our lives this week when we do this homework? We go to prayer. We read Proverbs 4, 23 to 26, and we say, Lord, I'm keeping my heart this week. I'm protecting my heart this week. I want your Holy Spirit to lead and guide my heart this week. I want to have inner holiness, inner separateness this week. I'm going to choose today, and listen, it's a choice. Remember, holiness is a choice. I'm going to choose to put away a deceitful mouth. I'm not going to speak things that are not truth. I'm going to let my eyes look straight ahead. I'm not going to speak perverse things, crude jokes, crude jesting. That's indicative of a heart that's not right. I'm going to ponder. I'm going to ask you, Lord, to help me to ponder my feet, the path I take. In fact, I'm committing my week to you, Lord. You know what I've been doing recently? And maybe you all do this. Maybe I'm just late to the party But I did it again this morning. I took my week, and I know that we we can't get ahead of ourselves and worry about tomorrow. It's not a worrying thing. But I I literally committed to the Lord today, on on the Lord's Day, this Sunday. I committed to him every day of my week. I not just committed to him this lesson and the preaching that I'll do in a few minutes here in our service. But I committed to him the meetings I have this week. I committed to him the travel that I have this week. I committed to him the conversations I'm going to have this week. I committed the, 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 the interaction I'm going to have with people in the church this week, the people outside of the church, the people in the city. I committed that to him. It's a pondering of our path. I said, Lord, I want to please you in everyone. Listen, folks, I, I know that this requires planning and thinking ahead about what the week, but let's ponder the path of our feet. Let's commit that to a holy pursuit. Amen? Amen. And let holiness shine through us. Let's stand together. I feel like I'm just going to stop right there because I feel like I could teach a whole lot longer, but I'm going to give you a break. Amen. Now, I'll say this again uh, to this wonderful church family. When you and I let holiness work on the inside, it doesn't become such a big deal at working on the outside because it starts here. It starts in my heart. It's indicative of a work of the spirit of God in my heart, in my spirit. And uh, it's a beautiful thing when when God allows that to happen in our lives, and we allow that to happen in our lives. So you got your homework? 1 John 2, 28 and 29, Proverbs 4, 23 to 26. Let's pray those verses this week. Let's bow our heads and but lift our voice. Let's lift, lift our voices together. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful day. We thank you, Lord, for your word that is helping us. God, I feel like that I'm better because the word of God has been taught, and I've received your word into my spirit today. I pray, Lord, throughout this this week, Lord, these last few days of this month, the beginning of a new month, that you will allow us to walk out holiness inside, Lord. You will let us walk out the word of God in our lives. I pray we will practice righteousness. I pray, Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you will govern the thoughts that I have to be God thoughts, and I will begin to declare your word instead of just anxious thoughts, Lord. Lord. I pray that separateness of lifestyle, Lord, will be on the inside of my life. So it will produce the fruit of the Spirit. It will produce uh, holiness that can be seen externally as well. Lord, for this, I'm going to thank you and give you praise, Lord. Seal this word with your Spirit this morning. Bless the rest of our day as we walk this out. In Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Here's what I'd like you to do. I just challenge you to do before uh, you leave here and really after you leave here too is let this lesson live on today. You say, well, how do you do that? You know what? Honestly, and I'm not meaning this just to be funny. When you're sitting talking to your spouse or you're talking to someone from the church this week, share with them something the Lord ministered to you in this lesson, something that God's challenging you with. Some of the greatest interactions I've had with people recently is when I said to them, let me me share with you something God is challenging me in because it gives voice to the work of the Spirit in my life. And so let me encourage you to not just read it, not just hear the word, but to give voice to that, to share that and pray for one another in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have a marvelous, marvelous worship service in just a few minutes. We invite you to be a part of that. Uh, you, You can... Fellowship with one another, connect with one another. We'll start our service in about fifteen minutes. the The prayer room is open right now. If you'd like to join us in the prayer room, we will have a.